0: Um all right uh, I think we're going into uh round table so um, here I'm going to I'm going to share my screen again so that you can see what the question is here we are forgive my rustiness there we go so we want to hear from each other a little bit about some experience you had when you've ex- you felt like you've experienced the presence of God um, and obviously this can take so so many different forms um, I mean even when I you know look around at the greenery that's that's enough sometimes to experience the presence of God when you're with friends, you're experiencing the presence of God. When you feel yourself breathing, I think you're experiencing the presence of God. But we, I'm really curious as to how other people, what, what, when, you, when, you say, when you hear somebody say, oh, I th- it felt like God was just really there with me. What comes to your mind? Please, anyone. Anyone.
1: Hey Jeff, um, hey. I've had I've had piles and piles of times where I felt like God is with me. I'm very feel very grateful for that. But um, I'm, one time that really stands out was um, years ago. Um, I was a young nursing student and I was living at home with my folks. And in the middle of the night, my mom had a medical episode. Um, turned out just it, it we didn't know what was going on. coldest night of the year um, called 911. The paramedics came and took her away, and my dad went with her, and I was absolutely terrified. Um, And I remember sitting there in the middle of the night in my nightgown, shivering and crying, and all of a sudden this overwhelming sense of peace and love um, came over me, and I just had a strong sense of it's going to be okay um and i didn't know whether that meant my mom was going to be okay or just generally everything was going to be okay but hmm. there was just such the, such a powerful calm assurance that everything was going to be okay and uh, i was able to go back to sleep i had a huge exam the next day um and yeah and it turned out everything was okay it was nothing nothing um permanent or worrisome it was just a little uh blip in her blood pressure and uh yeah, but but I'll never forget that the closeness of God in that moment for me. That was a very powerful confirmation of the great love of the Spirit of God around me.
0: Mm, thanks, I love that, Laurie. The the um, I particularly, I mean, anybody's experience is obviously valid because this is uh, one of those things that one person can't necessarily describe for another. But I really love the association of sensing God's closeness and the sense that everything's going to be okay somehow like even yeah. if you're in the midst of something that might turn out badly just the sense of okayness um that you're i don't know it's almost like being held or something like that
1: yeah, and it's it's like a piece you know like to quote some scripture like peace that passes understanding it really didn't you know it, you don't know the outcomes but you knew that no matter what it was all okay it makes me think of the um, that, the statement by um, julian of norwich um, and all all is well and all will be well and you know all is well and all will be well you know like i'm not doing a good job of that but you know the one i mean you know it's just just an overemphasis of all will be well we're we're held you know we're held we're cared for no matter what
0: yeah. all manner of things
2: shall be well or
0: something there like you
1: that. go that's it thank you
2: Jeff. <laughs> yeah
0: thanks so much anyone else
2: yeah, I'm with you, Jeff. Actually, I'm just sitting here on my deck, and I'm—you don't have to look very far to sense the presence of God. You know, there's got leaves on these plants in front of me. I've got eagles flying in the sky, and you know, you've just got this incredible vista of the diversity of all creation. And it's like, how can you not see God in that? You know, not that this is God, but God is in all of this, and uh, it come came to being you know, from the heart of God. And it's like, uh, and, and I was also thinking too, you know, there's times when you experience the presence of God and you're conscious of it and it's like, wow. And there's other times that it's there even when you're not able mm. to consciously tune in, in your brain. And you think that's that's somewhere I would like to truly learn to live more, you know, just in, a, in that sort of practicing the presence of God there, you know, mm. the Brother Lawrence thing, you know, where you just, in every mundane moment of every day, there's the sacred in the in in the secular you know there's there's no dif- difference they're the same thing you know just that presence of god and all that we are and all that we do and that's only the bit that we can understand
3: hmm.
0: so great you're you're I back with gonna, us karen
4: yeah i was just going to jump on but steve was too quick with that mute button um hmm. sarah and i went out for a walk early morning uh this week and uh we weren't talking to each other we both had our Headphones in when we were doing our our walk, and um, I think Sarah was listening to a spoken word, but I was was listening to worship music, and uh, I just (laughs) there is a an incredible sense of um, presence of God uh, with most worship, and I don't know, I can't really describe it. It just feels like an almost like a an out of body experience for me, where it just does something on the inside that I I can't really put words on, and. um, Was doing this walk with Sarah and I I was just listening and I wasn't singing along but there were obviously a couple of times where I couldn't help myself and I got these funny looks from Sarah like you're doing that out loud and you've got (laughs) it so I'm glad I was with her she could tell me that because I'm sure there are times when I walk on my own in the neighborhood where I've got nobody to tell me that's what I'm doing so I'm that mad lady if you're up around in in these areas that the worship and that the sense of God's presence uh, in some of that worship just yeah, just I just can't find words to describe the beauty and um, of of it, and how that makes how that makes me feel.
0: Mm. That's great. Um, in worship times, in nature times, in times of trouble, um, it, one one thing that I, I mean, I I don't even know how to how to bring this out, but I know that um for quite a few people, you might not have had a a really significant sense of the presence of God and you would like to. Um, I mean, you're allowed to share that experience as well, because that's actually very real. And um, I think, um, I guess, like, like has already been brought out, sometimes the, the presence of God can be more like, not necessarily saying, oh yeah, I felt like God was there, but just, uh, a, a sense of peace or a sense of, uh, closeness, even if you're alone or, or different things like that. Anybody else have anything to share?
5: I do Thanks. actually. Oh, um, <laughs> this is Laura. Um, Hi Laura. Hi. Um, you know, I, I listen, we live in hope and so we're surrounded by the mountains and the trees and the, the, uh, rivers and, um, And I was thinking about that, and maybe I'm, you know, I see it, and I love it, and it's amazing to me. But I look at people, and I see the joy, the exhilarating joy of God in my grandchildren. When I look at how that, to me, they are the presence of God in my life, because I think I I have to believe that we serve a happy God, Mm. that we we know a happy Christ. Um, And then we were at a wedding yesterday where um, I don't know if there were believers there or not. I don't really care. But there was such a sense of joy Mm. in so many people. And I thought, I love it that, you know, Jesus went to a wedding. And to me, the presence of God was there, enjoying his creation, enjoying the people as they enjoyed each other. And I thought, wow, isn't that neat that as as people who are, you know, deconstructing maybe what I grew up with, but also seeing, keeping, cherishing the treasures of what I grew up with and being able to see that. I serve a joyous, happy God. Like I'm getting teary now because he delights in us as we party. And it was such a treat to see the little ones and the big ones and the bride and the groom and their delight in each other. And um, yeah. And so for me, I felt I feel the presence of God when I look into the eyes of my grandchildren and watch their antics. And I feel the presence of God when I celebrate with people The you know, the joyous moments of their lives. I mean, we've had other times, of course, where we feel the presence of God. But that was what really struck me this morning as I was listening.
0: That's awesome. Thanks so much, Laura. I love it. Um, Sarah, do we have time for Greg to share quick? Greg, you're on. But
3: you're muted. Oh, there you go. You're still you're still muted, Greg. Darn technical difficulties. Well, maybe we can come back to I, you, Greg at I, the, in the Q and R at the end. Yeah,
0: yeah. Sorry, Greg. We do want We do want to hear you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hand over to Stephen Karen to lead us in communion.
2: Hey guys, that's uh thank you. That was an uh, amazing discussion. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Um, but in a sense, you know, we're going to do communion together now. And, uh, I was thinking about this. You know, this is actually one of the traditions of the church, one of the sacraments of the church, and this is one of the things that we do in order to consciously come into the presence of Jesus um, in an act of remembrance. Um, it's a funny thing. Every time someone asks me to do communion, I get really Anglican, um, <laughs> and I think that just takes me back. You know, that's what I, the tradition that I grew up in, and that's the context in which I. Um, you know remember and experience the the communion liturgy you know something that has been handed down over centuries now i mean things are not necessarily good because they're old um and they're not necessarily good because they're new um but there i think there are important things that have been passed down the centuries that we can do together um that they're that that are important so um if you can forgive and perhaps experience some of the language of the anglican liturgy i think there's some incredible language here there's some There's some some many layers in in what's being said, and uh, and I think it's not always a bad thing to be challenged by words that we don't understand. You go, oh, what does that mean? I should go look that up. Um, So anyway, we're going to just read part of the Anglican liturgy between us, and, uh, you know, as we consciously come together now uh, with uh, the elements that represent the body and blood of Jesus, as he invited us to do, um, here we go, into the presence of Jesus. Hear us, merciful Father, we humbly pray and grant that we receiving these gifts of your creation, this bread and this wine, according to your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood.
4: Who in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me.
2: So if we take the... Um, the bread now the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for you preserve your body and soul to everlasting life
4: The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is shed for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life.
2: Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory.
4: May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope that you have set before us so that we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Just before I um, pray for Sarah, I'd love to um, just highlight to us all Eden, um, our pastor Eden. Uh, she sadly has just uh, gone down with COVID and I think she's feeling quite poorly. Um, It's happened at a time when she and her husband Brad are actually visiting the US uh, for some conferencing that they were doing last week and they were meant to be doing this weekend. So I know that they're quarantining but I know she's feeling quite rough. So um, Father as we remember Eden right now together we ask Father for your hand of merciful healing on her body. This is a Virus that has caused many issues in so many places in all corners of the earth. Um, And there's never a good time to be sick, but this is not a good time while those guys are away in America. So I ask you further for, Father, for your healing mercy on her body. Uh, No Brad is recovering, so we pray a blessing over them both, Father God, Mm -hmm. that you would bring your healing to every cell in their bodies and um, bring them home safely. Amen. And now for you, Sarah, thank you that you have put the hours and the work into um, what you have done for us to enjoy um, the fruit of your labor uh, as you uh, preach this morning. Um, Father, I pray your blessing on Sarah. Um, Thank you for her gift and skill in communication, in writing, in art, and in all the amazing things that she can do. And uh, as she Shares with us now this morning father i pray that you open up our hearts and minds to just receive uh what it is that you would like to speak to our hearts
6: amen Amen. thank you very much um, i don't feel like i actually need to speak uh, having heard the round table today you guys did it i'm i'm good i will just uh and goodbye have a nice week no i i'll do what i've done but um round table was great thank you so much for sharing your pieces um today's passages are about the presence of god there was a clue in the round table question um and it's what we think uh the writers of each passage think that, that that means and also how we apply what we think that it means to ourselves that's a bit confusing um anyway i'll have a go uh you had a go too and you can have another go when it gets to the Q&R at the end. So if you're thinking, oh, but I've got this other thing I should have said, and Greg will get you in there too, uh, it would be excellent to hear what it is that you're thinking. Because I in no way want you to think that I have the take on all of this. I am just a person over here reading it with my own lenses and figuring it out. Um, And we make a better picture if we do it together. So a quick aside before I get to the passages, and this person's been mentioned already, but I am reading and learning about Julian of Norwich. I find her story fascinating um, she's known for being a radically optimistic theologian which given her life experience is a little surprising and must have had something to do with the presence of god as she experienced them as a single woman with a chronic illness that restricts her actions and movements who is living through a plague i find her somewhat relatable um, julian as she is known, although probably not her actual name, was a 30-year-old medieval English woman who had a near-death experience. The priest was called to give her the last rites, and as he stood there with a crucifix above her head, she had a vision of Christ, followed by 15 more over the course of a few hours. And then she spent the next two decades unpacking these visions. And she was, I think, one, if uh, if, if not the first, um, published female writer in the English language. You can correct me if I'm wrong in that. Google will tell you different if if I'm wrong. But anyway, very cool lady. She was alive during the Black Death. She went through numerous rounds of it. Um, And uh, in Europe at that point, about 50% of people didn't survive. So she had pandemic experience that we can all relate to in some way. She had the priests in the church of St. Julian in Norwich, which is probably where she gets her name from, shut, uh, shut her into a room in the walls where she dedicated herself to prayer and cheerful spiritual direction, it says, through the window that faced the street. At the end of her writings, Julian asks what the Holy One meant by all this, and this is what came to her. Would you like to know? Comes the response. Know it well. Love was his meaning. Who revealed this to you? Love. What did he reveal to you? Love. Why did he reveal it to you? For love. Stay with this and you will know more of the same. You will know anything, but you will never know anything but love without end. She wrote, uh, Peace and love are always living and working within us, but we are not always in peace and love. And that's a translation from the Middle English that she wrote in by Mirabai Star. So like I already said, I find her story and how she connected with the divine fascinating. I think Julian of Norwich has a lot to teach us. So I'll keep looking and I'll tell you what I find. There is so much for us to learn about love and peace. And I think we need much more of that kind of a thing. Don't you? So the questions for today, do you experience the presence of God as peace? I mean, there was a bunch of people that said that they did. Do you experience the presence of God as love? Is it a feeling? Is it a knowing? Is it a gut thing? Is it something you can understand like a sort of a head knowledge? Um, I wonder if it's something that's familiar to you in your everyday life or if it's just a uh, every occasion kind of a thing. So here's my question. Do you enjoy companionship with God? And what is that like for you? I think that we can know the presence of God as peace and love understanding some of it in our heads, some of it in our gut, feel something. I feel like all of it can be true for us but we might struggle with it because of our expectations or what we've been taught culturally, subtly, even blatantly by a society that's pretty pain averse or worse still by religious teachings that everything will work out great because we trust God and if everything isn't turning out great then we must have lost the presence of God somehow. And maybe, I mean, let's come at it from another slide, maybe you feel like you have no idea what the presence of God even means, or what that feels like, or what that even is. So the passages that we have in the lectionary today are about the companionship of God and the way that the people experience God's presence internally and externally across the arc of them from the Old Testament uh, story, a poem through Jesus' words, and then a New Testament teacher. So we've got a promise a story, a complaint and a reframing. The lectionary always starts with the Old Testament, but I'm gonna start with the words of Jesus because I value them more. So we'll build it from there. So first the promise, the promise is Jesus and where we find him is uh, the beginning of John's writings of Jesus's farewell speeches with the disciples and others. At the very end of this little passage that we've got for today, Jesus says, get up, let's go, it's time to leave. And maybe this is them all getting up from the table at the Last Supper and heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. John seems to structure it that way, even if it isn't what chronologically happened. It's not really John's way of communicating that everything is chronologically accurate, but there's no harm in thinking of them at the table and them getting up to leave. We like chronology, John not so much, he doesn't care. He's just about telling the important points. So let's read the promise. This is John 14, 25 to 31, if you wanna read along. I'm going to read from the message, but I've changed the pronoun of, for the Holy Spirit from he, which is how the message writes it, to she, uh, as Wilda Gaffney has it in her version and as um, the translations from Aramaic seem to suggest. So listen to the promise of Jesus. This is to his friends as he's prepping them for what is to come. I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. She will remind you of all the things I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned or bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be discouraged. Don't be distraught. You've heard me tell you, I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm on my way to the Father because the Father is the goal and purpose of my life. I've told you this ahead of time before it happens so that when it does happen, the confirmation will deepen your belief in me. I'll not be talking with you much more like this because the chief of the godless world is about to attack. But don't worry, he has nothing on me, no claim on me. But so the world might know how thoroughly I love the Father, I am carrying out my Father's instructions right down to the last detail. Get up, let's go, it's time to leave here. The purpose of the gift of the promised Holy Spirit is peace and remembering. She will remind you of all the things I have told you is what Jesus promises. His parting gift leaves them well and whole, which is another word for peace. Can we experience the presence of God in the way, in the person of the Holy Spirit as peace? I think if Jesus can be believed, then we may. And this is one of the go-to prayers that I have. It works me pretty much every time, and it's in my uh, inner pinch go-to. And it's just, come Holy Spirit. It's one of those, you can breathe it in and breathe it out, Prayers, Come Holy Spirit, it slows me down, helps me find my center again and causes rest to come to my scatteredness. Peace, the
3: presence of God is peace.
6: Well and whole, peace. Do you want some of that? I do. So with that promise, how come it always doesn't feel like that? How come stuff doesn't turn out like we expect? How come we don't always win? How come there is stuff that hits the fan on a regular basis? Does that mean that Jesus didn't keep his promise? Does that mean that we haven't actually received the gift of the Holy Spirit that he promised? Or do we perhaps have skewed expectations? Julian of Norwich says it like this. Sometimes we are surrounded with the comforting presence of God. Other times we feel as if we had failed and are left to ourselves. God wants us to know that he supports us equally in well and woe. Well and woe are just a poetic way of saying joy and suffering. But for our own benefit, he sometimes leaves us alone with ourselves. This is not because we have committed any transgression. When it happened to me, says Julian, I had done nothing bad enough to make God abandon me. It was very sudden. But I had also not earned that wonderful blessed feeling either. Our beloved freely gives us joy, and sometimes he allows us to suffer. Both are one love. Both are one love. If we're expecting the result of the presence of God to always be joy or always be peace, we will be disappointed. Just let that hang in the air. If we're expecting the presence of God to be always joy or always peace, we're going to be disappointed. Let's read the story from the Old Testament and discover a people who had very specific expectations of what the presence of God meant for them and also what the presence of God meant for those people who were over there. So the story is in 1 Samuel 4 and it's a pretty turbulent period of history and the people of God are in one battle after another. The presence of God is at that time enthroned upon and above the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark is first tended by Samuel. And when this story happens, the Ark is in the care of Eli and his family. But the Israelites are in the throes of yet another fight. So this is 1 Samuel 4, verse two. The Philistines marched out to meet Israel. The fighting spread and Israel was badly beaten. About 4,000 soldiers left dead on the field. Oops. The Israelites falsely conclude that their defeat is because the Ark of the Covenant, or the presence of God, isn't with them. They believe that they've been defeated because they didn't have the presence of God with them. And so they made arrangements for the Ark to be brought into the camp. Jumping to verse five. When the Ark of the Covenant of God was brought into camp, everyone gave a huge cheer. The shouts were like thunderclaps shaking the ground. So there's a huge celebration because now they believe that they're invincible. God is with them. How could we be defeated? the philistines heard the shouting and wondered what on earth was going on what's all the shouting among the hebrews they said then they learned that the ark of god had entered the hebrew camp the philistines panicked their gods have come to their camp nothing like this has ever happened before we're done for who can save us from the clutches of these super gods These are the same gods who hit the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues out of the wilderness. On your feet, Philistines, courage. We're about to become slaves to the Hebrews, just as they've been slaves to us. Show what you're made of, fight for your lives. The Philistines and the Israelites know what happened when the Israelites left Egypt. They know the stories of plague and death and how God had fought for them. And both groups have the same kind of magical thinking. They think that the presence of God in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant means that the Israelites are unbeatable. They believe that the presence of God, the earthly manifestation of the presence of God would mean that God would smite her enemies. Both Israel and the Philistines believe this. But there is one who doesn't. There is one who doesn't believe that that's what's going to happen. And that is God. God doesn't say my presence in the Ark of the Covenant is a guarantee of success. God refuses to allow herself to be manipulated. And here's what happens, let me just back up a few verses. The Philistines panicked. Their gods have come to their camp. Nothing like this has ever happened before, we're done for. Who can save us from the clutches of these super gods? Fight for your lives. And did the Philistines ever fight? It turned into a rout. They thrashed Israel so mercilessly that the Israelite soldiers ran for their lives, leaving behind an incredible 30,000 dead. As if that wasn't bad enough, the ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed. And then there's a whole piece where Phinehas' wife goes into early labor and then she dies as she's giving birth to a boy and the whole thing is a disaster. The presence of God is not a guarantee of success. The presence of God is a guarantee of the presence of God. That's it. The presence of God is a guarantee of the presence of God. God was with them in defeat, in their deaths, and in the massacre. God was right there with them through it all. Even though Phinehas' wife names her son, God's glory has left us, which is Ichabod, which is his name. Um, It's not true. God's glory hasn't left them. It just wasn't what they were expecting. God was right there with them through it all. Everyone's expectations of what the presence of God meant were off. I wonder what our deep down expectations are and if perhaps that's why we don't think we experience it because our expectations are just a bit off. The promise is peace, the promise is love, the promise is presence. The promise is not success, however we choose to measure that the promise is withness through whatever comes so let's jump to the psalm which is where we have the most fabulous complaint psalms is a great tool for a good old moan psalm 77 1 to 12 is a little bit more than a moan though psalm 77 starts out as a full on full on yell listen the psalmist says i yell out to my god i yell with all my might i yell at the top of my lungs he listens I found myself in trouble and went looking for my Lord. My life was like an open wound that wouldn't heal. Dramatic much? When my friends said everything will turn out all right, I didn't believe a word they said. Have you perhaps internalized the idea everything will turn out all right? If someone has tried to teach you that, they were just making stuff up. A long time ago in a physio waiting room, when I couldn't walk because of a hip thing, someone told me that if I had more faith, I would be healed. I didn't hit them. I wanted to, but we were in a public place and they were a little bit too far out of my reach given that I couldn't walk for me to hit them. Um, they thought they were helping, but they were just talking rubbish. I kind of think when people say stuff like that, they're maybe actually hoping that their faith will protect them from getting sick too. Don't tell people stuff like that. It's crap. Sorry, rant over. Uh, Back to the psalm. Although in the psalms, I'm in good company with a rant or two. Uh, Okay, so the psalm says, I remember God and I shake my head. I bow my head, then wring my hands. I'm awake all night, not a wink of sleep. I can't even say what's bothering me. I go over the days one by one. I ponder the years gone by. I strum my lute all through the night, wondering how to get my life together. (laughs) I love this guy. (laughs) Whoever this is, they're just genius. Anyone else know that feeling? Will the Lord walk off and leave us for good? Will he never smile again? Is his love worn threadbare? Has his salvation promise burned out? Has God forgotten his manners? Has he angrily stomped off and left us? Just my luck, I said. The high God retires just the moment I need him. I really appreciate this honest confession. If you're in a real place of rah, I would recommend Psalm 77. It's a really good, good way to just get it all out. This is someone who is really at the end of their rope and is questioning everything, who is struggling to believe that God is with them. But this Psalm turns around as many of them do. I don't know that it happened all in the same day. I've got a feeling that the psalmist uh, maybe stepped away for a while, had a bit of a relax, nice cup of tea, came back and finished it off. <laughs> like Steve says in the chat, yeah, needs a bit of a rewrite. So he, he reframes the end and sorts it out. Um, so once again, he says, I'll go over what God has done. Lay out on the table the ancient wonders. I'll ponder all the things you've accomplished and give a long loving look at your acts You strode right through ocean, walked straight through roaring ocean, but nobody saw you come or go. Hidden in the hands of Moses and Aaron, you led your people like a flock of sheep. When we're struggling, we should yell, we should complain, we should shout. It's better out than in. We should also remember the Holy Spirit is with us to help us because that was Jesus's promise. And in community, we help each other by remembering for one another Memory is held in community. If you've forgotten that God is good or that God is love or that God is peace, then ask someone to remind you. Like, go back and listen to that uh, um, round table again. Just remember, those are the things that people have said. Okay, and so now the last passage for today, which is the reframing. Um, And that's Romans 5, one to five. I hope I've communicated that God's presence is a guarantee of God's presence. That's my point, and that the hallmarks of that is peace and love. But let's just take one more look at how we think about suffering. Like Julian of Norwich said, sometimes we're surrounded with the comforting presence of God. Other times we feel as if we'd failed and are left to ourselves. God wants us to know that he supports us equally in well and woe, in joy and suffering. So Romans 5, uh, this is the NIRV. Now, since we are made righteous through faithfulness, we have peace with God through our saviour, Jesus Christ. It is unclear whose faithfulness makes us righteous. Some say it's ours collectively, maybe. Some say it's our individual righteousness. I don't think so. Maybe. Probably not. Some say it's Jesus's righteousness. And I think I kind of like that better, but it's really unclear in the text. If we read it, as the more likely option of Jesus's faithfulness, it says, since we are made righteous through Jesus's faithfulness, we have peace with God through our savior, Jesus Christ. Makes sense to me. Verse two, through Christ, we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of God's glory. All good so far, everything's coming up roses in the garden, but it doesn't stop there. That's the stuff of positive posters and stickers. The next bit, not so much. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I am sorry, what? Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, she who has been given to us. The reframing means that all of it is included in the grace of God. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. You see, the hope of God's glory is not victory. The Israelites found that out when the presence of the ark didn't save them in battle. Glory hadn't left them. God was with them through the defeat and death. The hope of God's glory is not a lack of suffering and an easy life. Simply doesn't work like that. The hope of God's glory is presence. The hope of God's glory is God with us in all through all of it. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, she who has been given to us, promised by Jesus, sent by the Father. Our task in every circumstance is to remember this love, to remember that God loves us and rejoices with us no matter what. Joy and suffering are bound up in every human life. We all have moments of joy. We all have sadness and weariness. And we can be tempted to think that one means God loves us and the other doesn't but it isn't true. God's love for all is for all time and through all things, no matter what, forever. So as we head into this week, I want to encourage us to be aware of the companionship of God with us in all things, in moments of joy, in moments of sorrow, in moments of trouble or ease, in really boring moments or in exciting ones, in all things. Jesus said, the friend The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. She will remind you of all the things I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned or bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. We are made well and whole, which is what peace means, because of the Holy Spirit's presence with us. Companionship through whatever comes and so we pray come holy spirit we need you we need you in it all we need you in the good the bad and the ugly remind us of your presence in every moment i pray amen